Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Chapman, and if there's one thing I believe, it's that you're capable of making your dreams a reality and that the world needs you to be living out your purpose. One thing I love is to chat with people doing impactful work in hopes that we can all learn something from the conversation. Not to mention, we get to apply all of that wisdom to our own journey. Each week, you will hear just that here at the Radiant Podcast. So without further ado, let's get to it. Welcome back to the Radiant Podcast, and this week I am super pumped to have my friend Ariel Astoria join me. She is a writer, author, speaker, and social media storyteller. Her motto, words not for the ears but for the soul, stems from her dedication to remind her audience that words are meant to be felt and not just heard. She is made of sass and good intentions, has a deep love for car karaoke, brunch, and flowers. Guys, I loved this conversation. We got to talk a lot about creativity and not demanding too much of your art too soon, and I know you are going to love this conversation as much as I did. Hey, if you love this episode, be sure to screenshot it. Tag us on Instagram stories and tell us what you loved about it. Not only does it make our day to hear your feedback, it also helps spread the word about the Radiant Podcast. So without further ado, let's dive in. Hey, girl. Hi, how are you? So good. I am so glad to have you on. I was telling you earlier, I have been a longtime follower, so (laughs) I'm so excited to have you on to the Radiant Podcast. I think everyone's going to love meeting you, hearing your story. Tell us all about you. Oh, goodness. Okay, here we go. (laughs) So yeah, my name is Ariel Astoria. I am a, I've narrowed it down to poet, author, speaker. Hey, that's (laughs) good. Uh, yeah, it takes it takes a minute to kind of figure out what exactly you are amidst freelance. But I am born and raised in Northern California, and I'm the oldest of five kids. I moved away for college, and so I kind of always knew that I was supposed to come to Southern California. I necessarily know why. I just felt really called to being out here. And so I moved in 2010 to attend Azusa Pacific University. And I got a BA in psychology with like kind of an emphasis in theater. I initially had this plan that I was going to double major in theater and psychology. And I was going to do art therapy for kids, which is like funny, uh, when you think of what I do now, how it kind of actually relates really well. And I had eventually dropped my theater major because I didn't want to take like certain classes, like the tech and design and the costume. I was like, I don't have time for this. And then eventually I dropped the major minor completely because I was just like, I just don't want to be on stage. Like I don't want my life (laughs) to be about a spotlight or a focus at all on me. And so I dropped theater and shortly after that poetry came into the picture and I was like, no, 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 you don't understand. I just said, I don't want to be on stage. And yeah, it was just like this plan that was so much bigger and and for me that God had for me that I just was completely unaware of, to be honest. And so I went through college. I did some spoken word. I was really involved in leadership. So I was a resident advisor and I was a transitional leader and I really thought, I was going to work at a university. Like I was certain that that was going to be my calling and my life. And I was so excited for it. And so graduation came about and I, I went about everything I thought I was quote unquote supposed to do. And none of it felt right. Like I would stop mid application or, or mid interview. And I just feel like, why does this not feel like 
the plan anymore. Why do I feel like I'm not supposed to do this? And so at the same time, this artist part of me and this creative part of me has always existed, but I'm such a left and a right brain creative that I, I still go very practical all the time. So I know when I'm not trusting what's bigger and working on behalf of me when I'm super left brain and I'm super analytical and I'm like, well, that doesn't make sense. It needs to be practical and all of the, the, all those things. And so I was just like, something just doesn't feel right. And so the closer I got to graduation, the more I just withdrew applications, but I was like in a frenzy. I was a to being an intern in the chapel programs office. And I was like, seminary, do I want to go to seminary? So I was applying <laughs> for a seminary. And I was just like, meanwhile, grabbing all these things and then asking the people around me like, hello, what am I supposed to be doing? What am I supposed to be doing? And it was like everyone else around me knew that I wasn't going to work at a university. I wasn't going to be involved in this except for me. And so we got to graduation and I still was like, yikes, I have no idea. I just know I don't want to go home. And I was pretty adamant about not going home. And so I graduated my lease at the house I was staying in ended the day before I walked. And it was just like a nuts season. And I was like, all right, what if I'm supposed to to take this year and be a creative and literally everything in me just like sunk because I was like what does that even mean (laughs) like what does that even look like what does that even mean like you can't like I can't put that in my planner and put a highlighter like I can't I can't mark that like I don't I don't know what to do with that unknown space. And so I graduated. I stayed in Southern California. I lived in my mentor's house. I worked for someone and it was very short-lived and really chaotic. And I walked away feeling really manipulated and confused. And I was like, if this person was supposed to represent this dream I was supposed to follow and have why did it just like completely shatter into pieces and I knew while I was working for her that eventually I was going to work on my own I knew that was going to happen I had that discernment I had that clarity I just didn't think it was going to happen that fast I was like I just graduated college three months ago I have no idea what I'm doing and so that began a frenzy of six jobs and just like babysitting and running errands for people and working in a coffee shop and doing social media and working at a startup clothing subscription company as a stylist and their social media person and just these this plethora of just work to kind of figure out how to sustain myself and and what does that look like in and so that's been this three three ish almost four years of the past of my past life, which has been insane, but I honestly wouldn't have traded that for anything. So much of it just came down to kind of unclenching my fists and need for control and kind of trust this really big dreaming God and what he was doing. And so everything in every part of who I am, is extremely faith-based and it has to be because otherwise I look like a crazy person. (laughs) It doesn't make sense outside of it. And so Yeah, I grew up in the church. My dad is a pastor. And so I've always had this very deep connection with this concept of God and being led by something bigger than you. And that is the only thing I can use to make sense of (laughs) the past four years almost of my life is there is something moving and dreaming on behalf of me. And all I get to do is follow the light and follow where it leads. And so, yeah, in a 
in a nutshell. <laughs> um, okay. Well, you haven't gotten to what you're, I mean, you're speaking on like national stages. So like there has been some, some expansion in the last four years. So tell us some more. Oh man. I mean, my first, so once I was like, okay, we're doing this, we're doing this creative thing. Here we go. Uh, and it's just kind of like waiting <laughs> right before you like take off in a race, but you're just like warming up. I feel like I was like warming up for a really long time because I was like, I have no idea exactly what to do next. And so the first gig I'd ever gotten was this girl found me on Twitter and flew me to Houston for a conference for single women. And I was like, well, this is cool. But again, so absent of like thinking that this would be something that I would actually start doing. I just thought it was fun. And I had done a lot in college. So I, I'd done chapels and some voiceover work with poems. I, I had friends ask me to come and, and speak on their halls. So it's just these like little, these little moments leading up to getting really connected with these conference spaces. And that was actually my first connection was through through Yellow Conference and Yellow Conference is this conference for creative women. And we, my best friend and I, we found them at the season where we were kind of like, we feel like who we've been saying we are is not the entirety of who we are. And it's kind of terrifying because we don't know who the other half is. And we had like been students and and then leadership, but these artist parts of us were like such a secret. And so we go to one of these events that were hosted by the Yellow Conference and the first thing they ask us is like, who are you? And like, what do you do? And we're like, oh, we're interns at our church. We're students. And they're like, no, no, no. But like, who are you? And we were like, oh, shoot. And that was like <laughs> the first time she had said she was a photographer. And the first time that I had said that I write poetry, like not to my mom. And it was this crazy space where that ability to say yes, just opened these massive doors that literally to this day, I'm floored about because I have no control really over them happening. My Instagram has been a huge space for booking really cool gigs and being flown to Kauai to work with Bethany Hamilton and working with her here in California and just these really beautiful ripple effects of connection that, like I said, I mean, I probably, it's not my initial thing to mention because I also try to like, I don't know, I, it's still very flooring to me and I don't always realize the way that my ripple turns into a wave. And so I try to be really cautious of the things that I do share and talk about. And these opportunities are like so nuts that sometimes I'm like, this is not real life. This is not real life. This is not real life. But yeah, I have had the honor of doing conferences as a host and as a poet and currently getting into more speaking opportunities, which has been such a blessing and also a curse. My dad likes to take a lot of credit for it. (laughs) And he's like, well, where do you think you get it from? And I'm like, the Lord, not you, but also, but also kind of him. Both my parents speak and, and travel and write. And so, yeah, it's been this really wild journey of like kind of being like a model and kind of being a poet and kind of being a speaker. And all of it is this haze of dreaminess and really beautiful moments. But yeah, I don't know if that is. No, I love it. Man, I have 47 questions for you now. So, so would you say kind of stepping into your identity in your field by naming yourself as a poet, was that a defining moment 
um, with momentum, with kind of, okay, like I said it. And and that requires bravery. I, I know the feeling. How did you kind of navigate that? It took, even in that first instant of meeting women from Yellow, it still took quite a while. And even recently, I noticed myself naturally saying it more and that I mean, that's like three, almost four years later of just people are like, well, what do you do? And at first I was like trying to be super cute and sassy. And I was like, well, it depends on the day. I would just say, you know, I'm a creative or, or whatever. And then I would list all the things I did and poet would be the very last thing that I would mention. And now it's gone to the point where people ask me, and I'm like, I'm a poet. And it sparks these really awesome conversations because people are like, how? And I'm like, good question. I don't know. But it, it definitely, I had to have that instance. And then also another instance also connected with Yellow Conference, where she talked about your branding and your values and, and claiming what it is that that you are like when people hire you, what are they hiring you for? And I noticed a trend that people were hiring me to be a poet. So I guess I was a poet, you know, it turned into like a a lot of questioning and a lot of like, how do you grapple with this part of your professionalism, but also this very integrated part of my identity that has always been there. I've always processed the world through words. So that part was not surprising at all, but coming to terms with it being my career, my professionalism, that was just shocking. And so it was this very tedious and, and careful process of like kind of pushing the shadows and, and the fear and the shame and, and almost this like weird association of like doubt and fear and, and clearing out those cobwebs and like calling it what it is. And I was a poet, but it took people like yelling at, it took people yelling at me and it took people kind of like putting, putting my own mirror of identity to my face for me to really see it. And I think the, the biggest shift for me was I had a girl from college and again, I was just in this season of like, do, 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 do. I just write poems and I go on a stage sometimes and maybe they'll put me on a plane. And it was still just this very lax thing to me because I didn't think it would last, to be honest. And sometimes I still don't. But she was like, I can't wait for the day that you realize that you're a moving mountain. And that kind of wrecked everything for me because that means that what I was doing was not this light, fluffy side thing that you do, but this like really powerful work. And I was a part of it and I was a big tool in it. And so after that, I was like, all right, you really have to look at this, not lightly. Like this is a responsibility. It's a gift. Yes. And it's a blessing. Yes. But it's also a responsibility um, to be very diligent and careful with my words and 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 to be the poet part, not just be something I do, but an aspect of who I am. And I had a mentor who was like, I was asking her if I should separate my Instagrams, like if I should have a professional one and if I should have a personal one. And she said, you can't because you're the product, the brand and the business. And again, another wrecking statement where you where an extension of who you are is now what you offer to the world as work. And so, yeah, a lot of moments of just kind of being not so quiet, quietly wrecked, (laughs) not so silently wrecked and, and other people being allowed to speak into me those things. And it took a minute, but 
now I realize like, oh, this is what you do. Like there's no more pretending anymore. Yeah. Like this is what you do. So yeah. And it's kind of like the kindness of God to take you. I mean, I found in my own journey of just taking me on little stepping stones where I say it once in a smaller setting and then I have to own it. Kind of, I graduate to a next level of ownership and it's, I think anyone listening will relate in the sense of it's awkward. You get this you know, kind of sense of who do I think I am by defining myself as having arrived at my dream. But it gets more comfortable with time. And that sense of ownership also propels you forward. Yeah, absolutely. Most definitely. One thing I'd love to hear you talk about, I've heard you mention, and I think I read it too, was that, you know, you think more analytically. And I don't know, uh, if you don't know her, I got to introduce y'all. My friend Morgan, who's a poet as well, she's in LA. Oh yeah, Morgan Harper. Yeah, she is like an Enneagram 5. And so she writes from a place of very much an analytical place, not all her emotions. And I think that's really important for creatives to hear who also are thinking in a little more analytical format, because I think you can easily feel like, oh, you have to be tapping into all of your feelings and emotions. You can't write from that place. You can't create from that place. And that's not true. So I'd love for you to kind of touch on that. Yeah. Well, I'm an Enneagram four. (laughs) I am a deep, feeler. So a lot of how I orchestrate is out of deep feeling, but I'm a very strong three and five wing. So I notice in my spaces of like, like I'm a creative, but I need a skeleton in order to be creative. Like give me a structure and I could be super fluid and, and flow in between the structure. And I find that to be how I create the best. And like my mentor, she was like, it's so weird because most creatives, it stresses them out to have jobs outside of their creativity. But with you, you need those jobs in order to feel creative. Mm, And like, I need that feeling of being stable in order to feel like I can have the freedom and the the ability to create, which is both a level of like controlling (laughs) and, and, and also not always leaning and fully trusting into what, what God is doing in this process. But also at the same time, it's like, I, I'm going to go into a meeting where we're going to dream and we're going to brainstorm about projects. I'm also going to ask about dates. I'm going to put it in my calendar when we're meeting next, you know? So I'm still very strategic amongst my feeling. I also have a uh, background in psychology. So a lot of our classes were how to navigate through feelings and through these deep, heavy thoughts, but also be able to articulate them. And so I'm very big. I teach also. So getting into the space where it's like, oh, I'm just feeling so much and it just hurts. And I just don't know why. Like I will know why. And I will know how to explain it and articulate it. And even with my Instagram, like I'm, it's mostly for me than it is for other people, how it looks, (laughs) because I'm like kind of like a little OCD about colors and just like order and strategy and, and strategic. And so I find beauty in order and I find beauty in structure and organization. And I also find my ability to be the most fluid and the most creative with that structure in mind. And so I think I love 
I mean, Morgan is one of, one of my favorite humans. I've like followed her. And then ha- now that she's in LA, we've been able to connect. And I think because she comes from that very introverted sense of feeling and thinking, and I come from this very extroverted sense of feeling and thinking, you can kind of see those paradigms of like that four and five mix in it. Yeah. But I think at the end of the day, when you're creative, your superpower is the fact that you feel. And that's why you create in the first place. And so in which way we go about it, you're going to feel and you're going to feel deeply. And the whole point of creating is to articulate that feeling to other people so that they can also to feel that. I love that. And that takes it. Yeah, that takes a process and that and that takes a gift. But I think that's what makes us so beautiful as artists and as creatives is that we're able to articulate not only how we feel, but also allow people to come into that and feel feel it too. Yeah, I think that articulation piece is just so important and truly a gift to to people like me who, you know, love your poetry. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I love you. it. So one thing that I would love to kind of hear you shed light on is it sounds like you're pretty multi-passionate and you'd like to have different jobs. And I definitely, especially when I was getting started, kept other jobs jobs because I felt like it didn't make a demand on my art. One of my favorite books is Big Magic and just not making a demand on your art too soon. And I too had some very disappointing career paths with some people that were doing what I thought I wanted to do at the time, just, you know, 10 years ahead. And so it was, it was really devastating. Um, but I think that shaped me a lot. I would kind of love to hear about your journey, working multiple jobs, creating in the meantime, building out your kind of presence in this space. Tell us all the things. Yeah. When it first started, I was like, like I said, I was six jobs in and it wasn't as like, I wasn't as busy and I wasn't booking as much as I am now. So it was, it kind of worked, you know, working at a coffee shop, nannying, and then maybe sometimes I would go to a show once or twice, you know, every other month or something to that regard. But I was always keeping up with like writing and I was, I, I published ourself self and co-published a book in my senior year, senior, junior, senior year of college. And then I produced an album shortly after that. And, and then I did another book in 2016. And so I was always like just creating anyway, outside of, um, having gigs and not having gigs, but then also it's like, you got to pay bills and you got to live because you're choosing to stay in Los Angeles and it's expensive. And so I still found means and and that comes from like being the oldest kind of you just figure out ways to make it work. Like I don't like asking for help. I don't like letting people into my mess all the time. And so into the habit of like, Oh, well, I got to babysit. And then after I babysit, maybe I'm going to go sit in a coffee shop right before my event. And then I'm going to go to this and I'm going to drive to the orange orange County to make this little bit of money. And, and I was just on an honorarium base. So whatever people felt like they to gift me, I had no idea what a rate was or anything like that. So a lot of it was such a trial and error. And I didn't know how not to do that without a bunch of jobs because somehow I had to make money. I also liked tapping into things. Um, So working for the startup uh, clothing subscription company and learning a lot about social media and products and influencers and all that information I didn't know I would need later. 
Um, and then I got to drop a few jobs because I was working as a teaching artist and it pays really well. And so I found ways to incorporate who I was artistically into what I was doing professionally. So working at a coffee shop, my soul just loves, I love people. I love connecting and I love coffee. So why not connect all of those in one space and also get paid to do it. And so I worked at a coffee shop for quite a while, um, and then I left the subscription company. I started doing the teaching artist job. That was almost full-time enough. Like, it was part-time enough that it paid, like, a full-time in a sense of how I could connect it and contrast it with the gigs I was getting and stuff. That lasted for literally only a year, and I had to figure it out all over again. So then I was back to four jobs, social media nannying, coffee shop, whatever I could find. Um, and now I'm in an even mix of, I'm a teaching artist. I help people with social media in slower months. I started doing workshops. Um, and one of the things God was like trying to make really clear is like, I've already given you any tool or resource you would need to sustain yourself, which is why we know ultimately our provision does not come from ourselves. It comes from him, but he allows us the tools and the resources in order to create the money, the work, whatever it is we need to sustain ourselves. He gives us those tools and he was making it very clear. Like I've already given you all the resources and tools that you need in order to sustain yourself. So I was really trying to figure out what that looks like. And so I started doing workshops and, and things like that. And so, I mean, granted still, God knows what I'll or how I'll make money in a month. <laughs> Sometimes it's like pretty certain, like, okay, this amount will come in from gigs and, and this amount. But a lot of it is still a trial and error. And I still do teach and I still work front desk at a yoga studio really part time because free yoga. But then also <laughs> I can make a little bit of extra money here and there. And so you definitely still it is. I hate the word, but it is a hustle. Um, it is it is a grind of just like everything that you know you're capable of doing and kind of creating this net for yourself um, until something does really pick up and that can be your your one thing. But I don't know if that is something that happens in seasons or not. So still, I mean, very new to me in general, but always learning. Always learning. You said always. it. Yeah. Always learning. You know, have you had an opportunity? I, like you said, uh, I mean, I think hustle, hustle is just necessary, especially at the beginning. Yeah. I don't think it's sustainable forever. Have you had a season to rest totally. yet? Do you kind of live by there's a season for running, a season for resting? How does yeah. that work for you? It's definitely there's a season for running, more sprinting than running, and there's a season for resting. So my summers tend to be almost just depressingly slow and and, and I've really been trying to utilize this last summer and, and really set myself up for when I did start running again, because I knew I would be booked in the fall. Um, and then even more got put on top of that. So I knew there were things that were coming. So I was like, all right, what are things I need to take care of? And so it was a restful season, but it was also like, I still got to be productive because that's how my brain works. And so I was making my own reels for my voiceover and acting and speaking and, um, all the things making reels and then, and trying to set myself up as best as possible for this running season amidst also teaching yoga studio, you know, things like that, going to events, uh, networking as best as possible, but it definitely, it goes in waves. So right now I'm in like 
a crazy season. I am in a full on sprint season and it'll slow down kind of late October and then it'll kind of fade out for, um, for some of the rest of the year. And then I'll, I usually just hit the ground running, um, especially with like having a lot of holiday gigs as well. So for the past three years, I haven't been home until Christmas day and, and just trying to find places where it's like, okay, where's my next season of rest and preparing for it. Um, so December will most likely be my next, my next season of rest. Oh, that's amazing. I'm, I'm excited for your December, but I also, I love the running seasons as long as I have the running seasons. Oh, most definitely. And the thing is with creative and and entrepreneurial life, like we are going to have the restful seasons, whether we want them or not, you know, and, and instead of being like, Oh, it's super slow. Like I'm not doing anything like using those seasons to intentionally rest um, and to intentionally set ourselves up, you know, for when the running does come and also manifest and trust that the running seasons will come, you know, and prepare ourselves for that as the, at the same time. Yeah. Would you say, um, you know, touching on that word manifest, would you say creating a place of expectancy in your heart really affects the outcome? Oh, most definitely. And I, I think I've only realized that recently. <laughs> recently, you know, my friend, we would start every year, we would go on a trip somewhere, just her and I, and we would talk about what our dreams were for that year. And I didn't really realize until people started using this manifest word that that was like actually happening, you know, this space in your heart where you're expectant for this hopeful thing to come about. And so last year I was like, I really want to travel this year, like outside of California, I really want to travel this year. And that was the summer I had gone to New York, Thailand and Kauai all within like a two month time frame. And I didn't realize it until I stepped back and I was like, Oh shoot, I asked for that. And I got it. Like it was this really wild space that again, I, I just now, or just within this year, I'm coming to terms with like, you asked for it, you know, and you expected and hoped that it would happen. And it did. And when it did happen, you were totally, you know, absent of the fact that well, you asked for it. So you got it, you know? And so finding spaces to be like, all right, I'm going to journal this. I'm going to dream this. I'm going to put it on paper and then I'm going to say it out loud. And not because of like, Oh, I don't want to be the only time we don't say it out loud is when we're like, well, what if it doesn't happen that I don't want to be looked at? Like, Oh, that thing didn't happen. You know, there's this such this shame and fear that get added, that gets added to it. But there's also such a power in, in claiming and declaring what you want and what you're dreaming about. And obviously a lot of times what God already has in store for you, he's just asking you to ask for it. Um, and, and so, yeah, I think that is such, such a beautiful thing to have, especially in a, in a place of being, we have no idea what's going to happen from month to month for a lot of us. And so putting those, those hopes and expectations and, and dreams and manifests out there create such a, a motivation, I think for us individually as well, that is super necessary. I agree. And man, like, I, I think one thing I sat and really spent a lot of time last year, because I think in when you start stepping out into your, your dreams, it's easy to start getting scared. Like the rug's going to be pulled out from under you. And for me, 
I really decided last year I'm going to expect the best and it transformed my business. Mm. My business doubled. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. um, I'm just a big believer. And you know what? If something happened and something did fall apart, wouldn't it have been better to expect the best along the way anyways than dread the worst? Exactly. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So a four, like a seven, loves to mm-hmm. live in the extraordinary moment. How yeah. do you not overtax yourself? in this season because it's so easy to take to do it all. It's magical. It's electric. It's energetic. It's your dream. How do you create, I think like actually achieving balance isn't fully tangible, but a quest for balance is great. (laughs) (laughs) How do you do that? feels more right because honestly, I'm awful at it I'm just like oh my gosh look everything looks so pretty and so great and then I'm like wow you should probably maybe you should sleep it definitely it isn't I have had to learn how to say no you know it definitely it starts there um I'm like such a pusher of myself and so I'm like all right you you just had two two gigs, two nights in a row, you are allowed to not have to wake up early tomorrow and work out, you know? And then there's that balance of like, I give myself my day. I ease into my day. I let myself go to sleep early and wake up the next day whenever. And I kind of give myself that Monday, Tuesday of every week as best I can. I had a pastor say, he was like, you should give yourself at least a day of rest post an event because it takes so much out of you mentally, physically, and spiritually. And I just don't connect well to that. He's right. Absolutely. But I don't know because I got to teach tomorrow and then I got to work at my yoga studio after. So it definitely is something I'm, I'm really still learning and wrestling with and, and trying to balance, but it starts with saying no to myself and it starts with saying no to other people. So I haven't been the most social with friends over the past month or two because I just like I gotta stay and memorize or I gotta go home and write or whatever it may be and so or it might be church from bed you know like maybe you don't go to service but maybe you stay in bed and and finding those places to kind of balance amidst the craziness and and even with next month I'll start my traveling so it's like I extended one of my days in Cancun just so I could have one day of no work but just like wake up do what I need to do, write a little bit on the beach and just like allowed myself to extend that. I was like, do you have the money to extend it? Do you have this? Probably not. But like I allowed myself to extend that day and work will be there when I get back, you know? And so little things like that, I have to like figure out. And also people who remind me like, Hey, you're doing too much. And I'm like, you're not wrong. So I, okay. Yeah. All right, cool. I'll sit down, you know, and kind of listening to those voices of reason around me as well. And yeah, Oh, it is, it's it's hard. Like I made a deal with myself and with my husband that I'm going to be home November, December and part of January. And then I got invited on a free trip to Kenya and it was the biggest act of self-restraint in 2018 wow. for me to say no. But it's like, I, not only am I like honoring what I committed to, to my husband, but I also am honoring like slowing down for myself. And I think there's, you know, fruit in that kind of obedience and that kind of because I felt also like a, you know, a check from God of like, hey, like you can say yes to everything, but 
don't you think mm-hmm. it'll be like good for you to slow down for three months? Like, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so it, it's, it is hard because all the things sound all of yeah, it, but exactly. that quest for balance, man, it's ever elusive. Oh man. Oh goodness. So what do you have coming up? Tell us about your workshops. Your collaborations are incredible. It's got to be so cool to write the kind of personalized pieces for these events you get to work, work with. Tell us what's com- going on and coming up because I, I am excited. Amazing. Me too. I'm, yeah, I'm really pumped for October. Well, it starts with my birthday and I'll okay. be spending it actually in Nashville for a conference in Nashville. It's called the Bound Co. And I'm so excited. I've never been to Nashville. Also, the lineup of speakers are people that I have loved and fangirled over since college. And I was like, oh my gosh, my face is on a poster next to their faces. And it's so wild. And so I'll be there. And again, I extended a little bit earlier and a little bit later so I could just be in Nashville for my birthday and not have to like only be there for a conference and then book away. Like I'm such a four. Um, so everywhere is romantic to me. <laughs> and so I'm always like, no, I need to soak in all of the essence of Nashville. And so, yeah, I'll start with that this week leading into next. And then I'll be coming back and I'll be in Cancun for a few days after that to do a shoot for this swimwear company that I've had the honor of being connected to via Instagram. And then I'll come back and I'll do another conference in San Diego called um, Anchored in Love. And that is the conference with Bethany Hamilton and her team and another organization called Anchored and called Made, Wonderfully Made. And and then it'll end with a birthday party that me and my friend are doing together. And then, yeah, I have like a few shoots coming up with some really fun organizations, a documentary that I filmed a few weeks ago that will be released. And yeah, these just really nuts, really fun opportunities to just work with other creatives, which I absolutely love. And yeah, to connect and create more stories together. And so... That is October for the most part. (laughs) I am, I mean, I know that our listeners are just going to love what you're doing and love checking out opportunities to kind of hear your work, see where you're at. Also, we got to talk about food because I'm a Nashville girl, so I will send you all the places. Um, I can eat my weight through Nashville. Oh, did you say donut? Yes. Five daughters? Yes. Yes, girl. Oh, it's so good. So we're going there and obviously I'm always finding the coffee spots. So it'll be fun. It'll be super fun. Oh girl. I will send you yeah. some coffee shops. You're going to have a Please blast. Do. <laughs> Thank you. It is going to be so much fun. I love Nashville. was just there. I have loved getting to have you on and getting to chat with you today. Where can everyone find you? We'll definitely have to yes. have you back on the Radiant Podcast and hopefully meet oh my you gosh. in real life. Please do. Please do. I am all things Ariel Astoria. That's A-R-I-E-L-L-E-E-S-T-O-R-I-A. That's website, Spotify, iTunes, Instagram, Twitter, website, everything. So, yeah. I'll link it up. And I have loved getting to know you today, Ariel. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Hey, don't go yet. I would love it if you go over to iTunes right now and leave a review. I love hearing your feedback and it really makes a difference in getting the Radiant Podcast name out there. And while you're at it, why don't you subscribe and then share this episode on Facebook or Instagram or wherever your social media platform is of choice. Lastly, I'd love to keep up with each other. Come find me on Instagram at Kels Chapman and let's get to know each other. Who are you? 
texting? My therapist. You text with your therapist? Text, video chat, call? Yep. That sounds too easy. How did you find her? I just went to betterhelp.com slash save. She's a licensed therapist and it's all online. I connect when it's convenient for me and don't waste time driving anywhere. Plus, it's affordable. I wonder if I should try it. It's great to talk to someone in confidence. She's helped me sort out quite a few things. And right now you save 10% off the first month when you go through betterhelp.com slash save. Betterhelp.com slash save. Got it. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply.